Well, like yesterday, I, I, I made myself a pretty much a modified BK chicken sandwich when I opened the fucking bar. And that's all I ate yesterday. Holy shit. So, yeah. Let me guess, you modified it by taking all the vegetables off and putting cheese and bacon on it. You are absolutely correct. We went down the rivers, we crossed the plains, over the mountains, we fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names. With guns and axes, we sought our fame. Our destiny was manifest. And God helped those who stood in the way of business progress. And the USA. USA. I was telling Bo that I saw Space Truckers and Dune over the weekend. Oh, Space sh- Truckers kicked ass. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Much yeah, better than Dune. Those fucking robots are terrifying, man. For like some shitty throwaway movie. You know, it what's came terrifying out in like 1996. Dennis Hopper at all times. Oh yeah, That's Dennis Hopper is a trucker. There's anything in space. Den- Dennis Hopper could be playing a fucking kindergarten teacher. He'd be terrifying. Oh god, uh, he actually <laughs> he played a, a high school science teacher in my science project. Really? Yeah, he was like an old hippie, and he's just huffing fucking nitrous gas the whole time <laughs> in, in high school. <laughs> always go back to uh, Apocalypse Now. I'm just a pair of ragged claws scuttling over the bottom, timeless seas or some shit. Like, man, I forgot. He- apparently, some of that shit was just ad lib, and he was just so fucking gacked. Oh, he yeah. just let him go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because that entire movie, everybody was just fucked up constantly. Yep. And, yeah. Woof. Oh, apocalypse now. Mm. So, uh, welcome back to how the West was fucked. Ooh, smooth, baby. Yeah. How the West was fucked. So Tony, this week it's it's kind of a tie-in to the uh, the big fire uh, Forest Service Pulaski episode. But oh. uh, what do you know about John Muir? Oh, <clears throat> the 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 forest hermit. We talked a bit about him in the Big Burn. We, we've, we've, we've talked, talked about, about him, him in a few times. Other episodes. He's like the the like patient zero for hippies. Kind of. We're gonna we're gonna delve into that, but yeah, okay. kind of. <laughs> All right, okay. I know him by name. Uh, I seen a picture of him. You got he exists more on that than you have on most of these subjects. So. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. we just talked about him like a month ago. Well, yeah, we talk about him quite a bit actually. But um, yep. So the, today today's topic is going to be John Muir. Monsieur Muir, awesome. Yeah, Alex, I'm here for it. There we go. Mm-hmm. So will let her buck with your comic sense and lovely NPR voice. He was born April 21st, 1838, and Dunbar, Scotland. So he sounded like uh, Alex. Oh, Scrooge McDuck. Yep. Or I was going to say Groundskeeper Willie. Oh, sure, that too. Ah, oh, you got to see the trees. They've got me number one dime. Have <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got any grease? Yes. Yes, we do. Then grease me up, woman. But it was lowland Scotland. It was kind of gray and urban. But he remained proud of his Scottish heritage, that he would have Scottish oatmeal for the rest of his life, every every breakfast. So what separates... worse than death. What separates Scottish oatmeal from other oatmeal? Or There's got to be did, some pig intestines or something. Well, I yeah. thought it was going to be like, you just cook it in scotch. <laughs> like, boil, boil some scotch and... You roll it into balls and then you panko it and deep fry it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only Mountain Muir knew in Dunbar were the ruins of an old castle. That's not a mountain. That's, uh, That's a castle. Well, it's something to climb on if you're three years old. <laughs> 
But that's where Mary, Queen of Scots, was caught and beheaded. Whoa. Then it was raised to the ground. But it had enough for climbing around if you're a kid, I guess. Parkour. Yep. Let me put a good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul was a merchant in Dunbar selling grain. Uh, he was kind of a stern guy. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little. Just, that's it assumed at this point. Well, also just hyper-religious kind of stern guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of he'll beat the Bible into you. No, thanks. But at least young Mir went out and played in the fields and stole apples and was punished by being locked inside with a wild pony. <laughs> what? For stealing apples? <laughs> yep. Wait. A wild pony? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I understand why you don't want to be hanging around a freaked out horse. <laughs> There's far worse things to be <laughs> locked in with. No, don't lock me up with Nancy <laughs> Hanks again. <Yeah. laughs> it's what we got, you know. Honey badger is fucking unavailable. Uh, it was his grandfather, Gilroy. The horse was? No. Oh. That fostered his love of animals and the countryside. Because his grandfather was... What, uh, like being in fucking isolation with the pony didn't foster love of animals? <laughs> well, it's because his uh, grandpa was a butcher. Oh, so they butchered the pony after <laughs> fucking solitary confinement. And Muir would play with the guts and make footballs out of the bladder. Because of course. Well, I mean, that's not without yeah, yeah. the but, bounds of like Native American tradition. Really. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So, but it's play with the guts, the uh, off-putting phrase. I, you know, we've all... The intestines wrapped around his neck. I'm the queen of France. We've all been around some guts, or a lot of us have. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you got to explore the... Play marbles with the eyeballs. Yeah. Or bounce the kidney off of something. Oh, is that where that game comes from? Bounce the kidney? Bounce the kidney. Oh. Mm-hmm. New from Parker Brothers. <laughs> this was also the time of romanticism, the getting back to nature uh, thing. Robert Burns, a Scottish poet, was his main influence. Also, Wordsworth. That is worthy words. Words words are worth a thousandth of a picture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ansel Adams. February 1849, his pa Daniel Muir told the family they're moving to America. And you're going to like it, or I'll lock you in with the pony. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they were struggling. Uh, Daniel wanted uh, religious freedom. He oh. became a Campbellite. So worship the, the altar Bruce of Campbell? the soup. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, better if it was Bruce Campbell, but I, he, hadn't, he hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, groovy. They're also picking a good time to leave because the potato famine in Ireland also affected Scotland too. Ooh, so sad fucking butterfly potato effect. Mm-hmm. Man, what are the birds doing out in your neighborhood? There's just uh, like some straight Hitchcock movie. Shit oh yeah, happening. no, it looks like the birds out there. Uh, I don't know the the seagulls and the crows have like a, Ooh, a fucking what do you call it. Turf war. Dirt, 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 dirt. Jed is a jet from his first cigarette. Uh huh. Well, they would also saw seagulls on their transatlantic trip that took six weeks, and it smelled of people and seasickness. Well, yeah. But young John Muir at age eleven had a good time. Eighteen forty, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's going to smell like people and seasickness for sure. So they went up to Albany, and took a train to Buffalo, where a former neighbor had settled. I guess it's a current neighbor now if they moved in by him. Mm-hmm. And they asked where to settle. And Daniel was 45 at the time, older than most immigrants. So Death's doorstep. They must have really liked him because they said, why don't you go to Wisconsin? Yeah. <laughs> and away from us. So it took another four days on the ship through the Great Lakes. 
Uh, they found land between the Fox and the Wisconsin rivers, and there they settled. They had a spring-fed lake. Ooh. They got the max amount of uh, 160 acres. Ooh. Then next year, another 160. Ooh, living large. Going to be cattle baron soon. Mm-hmm. Right, Wisconsin. Uh, John Muir saw the pure wilderness and enjoyed it, even though he saw the plow destroy it. Uh, pure wilderness. He, like, rubs it on his gums. <laughs> you know the street value of this wilderness? <laughs> Uh, the first summer in America, they lived outdoors. No school, no garden walls, more freedom. No reservations. Mm-hmm. Though most Winnebago Indians were forcibly removed on Winnebago's. It, yeah, I was going to say, it always gets me that Winnebago's a native were Because all that you can think of, or at least all I can think of, is big shitty motorhome. Yeah, and that guy screaming Forgot at the it camera. Was people, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck. Fuck! Fuck! Oh, fuck! Shit! Tony, do me a favor, will you please? Will you? Will you, will you do me a kindness? Uh, there's still stragglers living in the woods. Uh, Little Muir saw an Indian spearing a muskrat. So that... Was uh, a thing? Yep. That was a thing. <laughs> uh, they also had a piglet ah. and a horse stolen, so... Ooh. Gotta be careful of those military. Goes. I, do, I do remember that incident with uh well i never didn't know about the piglet but i knew about the horse because we're going to get into while i do somewhat respect john muir there's there's some issues with john muir so mm-hmm. <laughs> he enjoyed all the birds in wisconsin especially the passenger pigeon which is now extinct because mm-hmm. you know why is it extinct tony uh we ate them i don't even know if they ate them they just shot like all of them no because, ooh, they're eating the corn. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's kill every of them. They used to be the most numerous. Uh, I, I think at one time they were like the most numerous vertebrate on the planet or some crazy shit. Uh, and then they were leveled into extinction over the course of like under 100 years. Holy shit. Yeah. But in his autobiography, Muir talked more birds than his actual child, childhood. Because that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. When uh, I was three, I saw a crow. When I was five, I saw a meadowlark. <laughs> uh, hard work had to be done on the farm, though Muir didn't take to it and was odds at his father. Uh, Scottish fashion of beatings for any disobedience. <laughs> Scottish fashion of beatings. And as the oldest son, he got the worst of it. So you're you're old enough to be beaten. Your brother fucked up. Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> They got another uh, farm five miles away, but there was no water there, so uh, John had to dig a well. I'll say that's a shitty place to have a farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. almost died of carb- take, take notes, California. <laughs> he almost died of carbonic acid gas oh, while digging fuck. in the ground. Carbonic acid gas. I know that sounds familiar. This is just like trapped underground. I've, it's a new it's one on me. Earth farts. <clears throat> Uh, That was until his dad pulled him up after much complaining that I'm dying. (laughs) Hey, I'm dying. Oh, (laughs) shut up, you wee pussy. (laughs) John began to relate to the farm animals who were also abused by hard work. (laughs) So George Orwell style, like. Mm -hmm. And thought of them as, quote, fellow mortals. Hey, carbonic acid shampoo is the first thing that pops up. (laughs) Do you despise your hair? Would you like to die while you shower? A <laughs> uh, compound of hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why you'd die from that, and I also don't know why the hell 
it would be in a hole. I don't know. So he's trying way. to bury some gas. Uh, he felt both the animals and uh, himself were exploited, and that animals needed love too. This is oh, what a fucking hippie! I know. But after about ten years, his dad began to lose interest in the farm and uh, more interest in the Bible. Oh, good. Oh, that's, God. That's, I was hoping you were going to say like baseball cards. Or that's something. always the pathway to success. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you freak out more about spiritual shit than I actually got it, Johnny. Do any work. We're going to start. We're going to start our own. Uh, I'm <laughs> start our own cult. I'm going to pray the poverty away. <laughs> so he would sit at home and read his Bible and send out John to work in the fields. Oh, that sounds actually par for the course, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that sounds but like- uh, none of his boys would follow in the farming footsteps. Yeah, because, a hey, you're 12, figure this shit out, I'm going to read the Bible. They probably didn't get very good at it, because mm-hmm. nobody showed him actually how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually, every acre had to be sold, and much of the profit went to Daniel's evangelical mission. Oh, fuck. Till he finally These was alone. Uh, he was separated from his wife and family. And he was described as half-demented and emotionally isolated. It's almost as if religion is a mental illness. <laughs> Who's the guy that used to... Fuck, who was it? They used to get the the uh, the different oils and shit in the mail? Oh, uh, shit. Andy used to have fucking... Was that Andy? Dude send him to... Yeah. And it was... Uh, the guy was... Um, remember, like, he got he sent away for the prayer oil and oh, all the shit? Oh, prayer oil. That's what it was. I don't remember. It that. was in high school, but like Andy was like having like when you still had to write physical letters, he was like corresponding with his televangelist. Of course, it's like donate this gift and you'll get miracle. Like Jim Baker or something? No, it was um, it was a, one of the second stringers. Yeah, Baker was kind of the big one until the, the fuck scandal or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, this guy's still around, as far as I know. I remember because we had a picture of him in fucking Crunch Puppy. Oh, yeah. And we had the, like, the miracle oil thing printed out, but <laughs> I can't remember, but yeah. He's still doing stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Think about that for a minute. He'd be in an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. Anyway, John didn't like the tradition of the agrarian patriarchy. Yeah. Even though he had to go through it himself later. Uh, for a long time, Muir would avoid marriage. And he rejected that life. Um, around age 15, the thirst for knowledge stirred in the young boy Muir. Ooh. He was taught math and grammar, but his dad, bo- uh, not boned, <laughs> banned most books besides yeah, the Bible. Learning is the devil. The only book he boned was the devil. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Bible, sorry. You can't tell me he wasn't boned in the Bible. <laughs> and there the were dad, no, not John. Yeah, yep. yeah. There were no schools to go to around that time. And plus, schools are the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Muir had a secret library. Libraries are the devil. Mm-hmm. Two authors that inspired him were Mungo Park. And that I'm unfamiliar with. Alexander Von Humboldt. I'm also, yeah, the, some bangers. Like, who the fuck are those guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're explorers. Oh, Mungo had search oh, for the Humboldt, headwaters. Like Humboldt as probably what, like Humboldt, Humboldt County, Humboldt Squid. Humboldt yep. Squid, yeah. yeah. So Mungo searched for the headwaters of the Niger River in West Africa. Von Humboldt was the greatest name of the 19th century natural history. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They didn't really have natural history very far before that. It was mostly like the beaver's going to throw its nuts at you and fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> flies are going to give you <laughs> pregnancy or something. Uh, the winter in 1858, a school actually opened nearby. 
Though uh, John Muir was close to 20 years old, he still went. No. <laughs> they they stayed the same age. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Young Muir was an inventor, too, inventing a self-setting sawmill, whatever the hell that was. Well, uh, it's in the name. It's a sawmill that sets, it sets itself. Yeah, what the fuck? Where's mm-hmm. the... Where's the discord there you know i'm pretty sure it's a briefcase where you push a button on it and it flops open and turns into a whole sawmill dope probably mm-hmm. autobots roll out yeah uh, did it didn't impress his father who thought hard work made you pious yeah as he sits on his dead ass fucking reading fucking <laughs> matthew 315 while his kids are out fucking plowing the field with their fingernails and shit <laughs> john invented it because he was kind of lazy and he saw a better way to do things yeah work smart that's why uh, I'm not lazy. That's why I push my car around like an asshole. <laughs> uh, 1860, Muir finally leaves home without any financial aid or blessing from his father. Uh, he was to enter the state fair with his inventions. And he won a cash prize. Ooh, $3. Mm-hmm. Spring break. He was taken in by a fellow inventor at Prairie Du Chin. That sounds insane. Hey, young man, I see you're an inventor. I'm an inventor also. Would you like to come live with me in Prairie de Chen? That doesn't sound sketchy at all. Uh, they went to work on a boat that would travel through ice. And a dynamite pig. And a helicopter boat. What's a helicopter? <laughs> We're going to invent it. Don't worry about the details. Sort that out later. But the other inventor was barely home, and the work on the boat didn't happen. But he did gain access to his library on design and drafting tools. So he's teaching himself how to be an inventor. Increase my killing power, eh? But he didn't get much done in Prairie du Chien. He moved back to Madison, Wisconsin. Party town. Where his father actually gave him $50 to enroll at the university. Once again, party town. (laughs) That's enough to enroll for half a year. There he grows a long, shaggy beard. Yay! Mm Mm-hmm. I uh, got into botany and natural science and geology. Uh, during the winter of 61-62, he took leave from school because uh, he didn't have any more money. Oops. He went to work as a teacher in a one-room school. Uh, had a rough time beating his students because he really didn't want to. Oh, because you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn hippie. <laughs> After three months, he saved enough money to return to college. But Muir was racked by self-doubt and confusion that eventually took him away from the university. I don't know how well, confused you can be. It's well, it's you Madison. Know. You've known people that went to, like, you know, Andy Wang. Oh, Madison, yeah. like, mm-hmm. sort of set my uh, opinion of it. Well, that and Scorp was banging out there quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I had a friend that moved there, in, like, just after high school. Well, it's, it's a fucking college town. Well, man. that and they have the whole shit where it was It was supposed to be a... It started out as, like, a Vietnam protest, but it's just turned into, like, let's close down Main Street and get alcohol poisoning, like, once a year. Like, yeah. It's sweet. Pretty famously. So that's you know. probably why he's all confused. Also, oh, shit. I didn't know The Onion was founded... By in Madison, yeah, huh, makes sense. By two of the juniors there, actually, where did fucking Russell Wilson go to college? Uh, Wisconsin, he went to the different one. Uh, no, he He's went Badger. to North Carolina first. Oh, and then he didn't start, and then he went to Wisconsin for his last year. Or something oh, like there that. you go. Well, I'm Ooh. sure I'm Russell Wilson, you wouldn't know him. He's a professional athlete that plays in your home city. Oh. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> He's on billboards and stuff like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, he's like Brian Bosworth? Yeah, he's, yep. he's like that, only a quarterback and still plays. Oh, okay. If only he would make cool movies like Bosworth. Oh, he'll like get, Stone he'll, Cold? He'll get around to that. <laughs> he's not big enough for that kind of shit, though. I mean, so Muir doesn't know what to do. He's kind of having indecisions about his career and religious faith, career. life's purpose. So he looked for a way to escape. Suicide. Uh, 1863, conscription started. Oh, oh that's an escape. Yep. Uh, so, of course, what what do hippies do? Uh, conscious, with the draft? Conscientiously object and move to Canada. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, he goes to Canada. He, Muir was moved to join a local chapter of the Young Men's Christian Association and became its president. Isn't that the YMCA? Yep. Yeah. His fellow students who were off in the army, and he was abhorred by the coarse language and the merriment of going off to kill. Well, I mean, yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, college interrupted his idea of being an inventor, and he ended up getting a job at a factory and worked his way up. He also wanted to become a physician, too. What kind of factory? Uh, probably making pain or something like that. Making pain. <laughs> uh, after classes were over, he decided to make a trip with two college friends. They took off in June to go down the Mississippi on the Wisconsin River. In a 1991 Ford Taurus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then back up again to Lake Superior. But they That's am- a lot harder to do. The back up again part is hard with no motor. Uh, but they only made it as far as Iowa. Oh. But uh, now Muir was bitten by the bug to travel in the wilds. Oh, man. I thought he was going to get bit by something like... Botfly? Bear. You know, <laughs> water moccasin, something. <laughs> so he moved in with his sister for seven months. Then he skedaddled to Canada with his brother to avoid the draft. He stayed there two years, wandering around, working when he ran out of money, but explored the wilds and got food from people he found along the trail. King of the road. <laughs> Uh, then he met the Trouts. I'm <laughs> thinking these are people, not yeah, fish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Trouts. Yeah. Uh, he went to work for them making broom handles, which I'm sure. Man, that's man. You got to know some precision engineering to make a broom handle. <laughs> like there's, like, that's some fucking German watchmaking craftsman yeah. or Swiss watchmaking craftsmanship. Unfortunately, but. you got to. It takes like an entire tree. To yeah, make yeah. one broom. Oh hand. yeah, you got to cut down a dug fur and put it in a lathe uh-huh. and, and break it down for like three days yep. to make one four foot broom handle. Yep. Otherwise, they just don't work. Yeah, I mean, snap right off the minute you try to sweep that yeah, shit. Yeah. Well, just the yeah, the dirt won't stick to the bristles. It's it's <laughs> insanity. So he allowed himself to sleep four or five hours a day, and the rest of the time he spent studying. But the mill burned down. Uh. It's probably York. better that way. He probably would have lost both arms or something if it hadn't. So mm-hmm. uh, Replace them with brooms. He was friends with the family. He said, uh, just pay me what you owe. Or, or Actually, he cut the money that he was owed. And then whatever he got, he went across the border again. Uh, he ended up in Indianapolis. Uh, he was 28 now. He impressed many with his mechanical genius, but he had little to show for it. I can build a broom. <laughs> <laughs> Within hours of stepping off the train, Muir had a job at a factory making hubs and spokes for wagons. Ooh. Oh, it's it's just like broom handles, but you got a whole bunch of them. Yeah, there's more of them. (laughs) 
He also invents an alarm clock bed. Alarm clock bed? With a jolt of cold water to wake you up. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a rooster tied to a bedpost. <laughs> that would work too. It's the it's the fucking uh, what is it, the fountain statue of the little boy peeing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's that attached to a bed. Into your face. Yeah. Well, the rooster tied to the bed. Each time you hit the snooze alarm, you hit him in the head, kill him. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's breakfast. You have to get a new. Oh yeah, that works. Chicken waffles. <laughs> but he still dreamed of escaping into the woods. March 1867, while filing something. Probably, fingernails? Yep. He hid his eye and blinded it. Oh, fuck. Uh, but the injured eye would heal within months, but it kind of freaked him out. Well, yeah. People like their eyes, yep. generally. So now he vowed to see the world before he went blind. <laughs> uh, but first he wanted to go to Wisconsin and say goodbye to his family, just in case. Because his dad... I'm sure he really had a good relationship, sound like so. Mm-hmm. So if in, if you're in a hurry, like a hippie, like Muir, you just walk across Indiana and Illinois to Madison <laughs> to his family's old homestead. Uh, his father still didn't give him his blessing. Uh, you go back to the field, even though you've been gone for five years. Twenty-eight year old motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing uh, here? You should be retired. John Muir wants to go to South America. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. It's a long walk, John. Uh, instead of taking a boat down the Ohio and Mississippi to New Orleans. He swam. Uh, he wanted to go to the Appalachians first, which is kind of a... That's out of the way. Yeah, yeah. roundabout. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Africa, but first I'm going to stop by Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Now he's 29. He has a joyful mood of freedom. Without constraints of a factory job or regimented religion. So now he's hey. living the dream. Yeah. But at Savannah, he ran out of money. Uh, he had his brother send him some, but it was overdue by five days. Oh, no. Uh, with very little to eat, Muir slept in a cemetery. As you do. There he begins to dwell on the possibility of death for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's yep. very on the nose with all his, like, Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he finally got his money and boarded a boat to Florida. So I gave up on the idea of the Appalachians, I guess. Uh, 45 days out of from Indiana. He 45. 45. He reached Florida. Uh, this time he walked on the railroad tracks because he didn't want to be eaten by an alligator. Are they afraid of railroad tracks? Well, I guess it would be water on... Every other place besides I, I guess. I mean, Florida. just don't go in the water, and your chance of not getting eaten are pretty high because right. they're not going to like drop the out of a tree. Railroad on you. tracks are just the only place without water, I guess. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, it is 1800s Florida, not. Yeah, current Florida probably still. Like, just imagining. Like, I'm, a, I'm trying to figure out which is more dangerous, 1800s Florida or today. Florida. Oh, Jesus. Uh, they're <laughs> probably the same for different reasons. <laughs> Flocka hadn't been now invented they, yet. Now the alligators will cough COVID on you and then shoot you. <laughs> As you say, walking on two legs with a fucking switchblade knife. Yeah, <laughs> eating your face. Uh, of course, uh, Muir would have forgiven the alligator if he had to eat him because, you know, that's the kind of guy he was. What a, what a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. In a death roll. It's okay, man. Uh, oh, he's hurt terribly, but I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> He reached Cedar Key on the railroad line on the Gulf side of Florida. The port was empty, though. 
But Muir was promised that another schooner would be there in a few weeks. He went about finding work, and he cut up red cedar for pencils. Good. <laughs> okay, so his... Just enti- like making enti- burn The entirety of all his jobs is take a large piece of wood make and make it into smaller <laughs> pieces of wood. <laughs> but he wouldn't work there long. Uh, the next day, Muir's head hurt, and he broke out in a cold sweat, and his limbs went numb. What? Our, uh, hours later, he passed out on the... On the Ooh, is it malaria? Way from the mill to is the bunkhouse. Is it malaria? Is it yep. malaria? That's it! Hey, hey, hey. You want a million bucks? 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 Well, I've got mossy teeth, dander, and a fat butt. Yeah! Florida, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> uh, when he woke next, it was days later, having quinine poured into him. Or yeah. Evermectin. Or, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lady of the mill's owner nursed him back to health for the two months. The lady of the mill, is that like the lady of the lake? Mm-hmm. Only she like throws a saw at you? She or? comes out of, of a pile of sawdust <laughs> and hands you a saw blade. Yeah. Uh, malaria translates to, of it's course, bad air. It's pronounced malaria. That's a beautiful woman's <laughs> name. It's actually uh, Gus McRae's horse in uh, Lonesome Dove. Malaria? Yeah, old malaria. And it's, uh, I mean, it's going to be in here, but it's like the, the fucking clip I use every time we say the word malaria. Malaria, cha cha, or diarrhea, cha cha. No, it's from the uh, the pest. Malaria's got mossy teeth, dander, and a fat butt. Well, it wasn't until 1880 until they found the real cause of malaria. Vampires. Oh, Ron DeSantis. So Muir was finally breaking away from his father's strict fundamentalism. Yeah, but replacing his—he's his he's only like 30 and lives thousands of miles away, so it's, <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> He replaced it, though, with natural reverence. Yes. Uh, Getting malaria reminded him he wasn't suited for a trip to the Amazon. (laughs) But he did go to Cuba, though. It's not like people get immune to... Well, in fact, that's part of the slave trade, is they thought, like, black people were less likely to get malaria. Uh, He did spend a month there collecting plants, like he'd done the whole trip. Uh, There he saw a New York newspaper advertising cheap fares to California. But first, he would have to go to New York, then to Panama, then to California. <laughs> well, Panama. Actually, Panama Canal wasn't a thing yet. Nope. But he oh, had they all did the, time the overlanding the shit. New York to Panama, overland, and then back up the West Coast. Right. Holy one, shit. One boat to Panama, yeah. walker, wagon, overland, different boat up the West Coast. Yeah. It might have had a railroad over Panama by that time, though. Was uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Something. 1868. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, March 29th, 1868, he sailed through the Golden Gate. Eight months since leaving Indianapolis. And California would become his home. Yay. And Yosemite would be the spiritual center of his home. Yay. Uh, of course, he wouldn't take the easy way. He walked to the Merced River and crossed the coast range to Yosemite. So he... Just can't take a wagon, this guy. Well, fuck a wagon. Uh, after camping there a week, he went looking for work, taking farm work. I do like the fact that he's just like the homelessest motherfucker on the planet, but does not shy away from just going and getting a job for like a week or two. Yeah, he lives by a different code. He's a, what do they call it, the gentleman hobo. He's a pencil carver. Yes. <laughs> well, now what, he, are, what is your skill set? I make large chunks of wood into cylinders. <laughs> 
Of any size you require. Well, this time he becomes a sheep herder. Oh. And he drove sheep all the way up to 9,500 feet in the mountains. And that's where he learned to hate sheep. He mm-hmm. called them, uh, what, four-footed locusts or some <laughs> shit like that? Yep. <laughs> that you really shouldn't be grazing sheep in mountain meadows. Shouldn't be grazing sheep anywhere. Yeah. But it left him plenty of time for climbing mountains and They're collecting bad. flowers. <laughs> Had to do it. God damn it. <laughs> so he writes about this time in his uh, book, My First Summer in the Sierra, published in 1910. Was it followed up by the uh, cliffhanger ending of My Second Summer in the Sierra? <laughs> <laughs> Muir was 31, and he'd finally uh, awakened the deepest and most intense passion of his life. Sheep pretty? Well, no. He had a hard-on for mountains. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. I have a hard-on for mountains. John Muir. (laughs) Uh, So he spends the summer up there, and he announced uh, again he would try for South America via Cuba. But then he decides to live in Yosemite. He understands he's on the wrong-ass side of the continent for that, right? Well, again, just as close as I guess. But he decides to live in Yosemite Valley for the winter. Uh, He was offered a job uh, by the hotel proprietor, James Hutchings. The job would last almost two years, and he got a house all to his own. What was the job? He would cut wood to repair the hotel. Yes. (laughs) Back to to basics. (laughs) Uh, He built himself a little cabin, and it had a little stream running right through it. Fuck, I want that. Uh, 1864, Abe Lincoln Lincoln. signed a bill giving Yosemite to the state of California to manage as a park. He was a lawyer, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, in a way, that was the nation's first national park. In a way. In a way. Even though it was a state park. Mm. Muir had come to live in Yosemite at a pivotal moment when its future was in the process of being decided. Also, the American West in general, uh, Bierstadt. Yeah. Arrived in 1862 to paint the valley. Mind the throne and be a start. And shared it with the world. Yeah. Except for, he, as we have, think we discussed, he kind of dramatized some of his paintings. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, yep, look at this awesome scenery. Let me Michael Bay the fuck out of it. <laughs> it's the car flipping through the scene? Oh, you know, on fire. kind of, yeah. Like, um, there's the one we have at Sam that's like a big one that's, um, it's a storm on Puget Sound. And oh, it's yeah. some Hurricane Katrina looking shit, like shit that, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And he definitely didn't live through, but it's an evocative painting. Sure, sure. Got people interested in the West and the, the wide open spaces and whatnot. And yeah. Sometimes he'd maybe move a mountain a little bit off to the left so he could frame it better next to another mountain. Oh, that, we that did talk. Shit. We yeah. talked put about that guy, the, the artist of the yeah, Wild West. Put a, put a waterfall somewhere where there maybe isn't one. Put a waterfall on it. Yep. <laughs> 1870, when tourist season rolled around, Muir decided to keep working for Hutchins, along with carpentering. Carpent? That's not how that works. <laughs> carpentering? He mixed I mean, in probably should. Uh, well, maybe it was mountaineering with the carpentering. <laughs> he was also guiding people in the park anyway. But Muir clashed with his employer, Hutchins. His wife fell in love with Muir. Oh, shit. But it's probable he didn't love her back because he had a hard-on for the mountains. <laughs> yeah. But basically, she was miserable. You can have a hard-on for the mountains and then put it in somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, that lady leaves her husband, I guess. <laughs> just like clinging on, like, I'm picturing just like, 
clinging onto John Muir's arm as he stares wistfully into the distance at a mountain. Mm-hmm. He's like, I did it all for you, babe. He's like, what? <laughs> mountain. So he goes to Hetch Hetchy and uh, injures his hand, John Muir. So Hutchins yeah, fired him. His hand doing what? Probably jerking off to a mountain. There you go. Yeah. But he hired him back since there was no one else to work there. <laughs> that's that's got to be awkward as fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's your two weeks. When can you start? <laughs> uh, Hutchins was jealous of all the attention Muir would get from the tourists. The two men argued till July 1871 when Muir quit his job abruptly. And then was hired back 17 seconds later. Mm-hmm. But he had $500 saved, and even after sending a lot of it back home to his brothers and sisters. Uh, His days of manual labor would be over, though. Uh, He had spent his winters in Yosemite Valley, reading and studying, and his summers away from the tourist, exploring mountains. That sounds like a good gig if you can get it. Yeah, on the real. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a hundredaire now, so he might as well go and retire. Just fucking bling, bling. Uh, Knowing the mountains became an all-consuming preoccupation with Muir after he quit his job. He earned money now by writing and living off his savings. Uh, He would take his chances exploring, too. Uh, One night he camped by Yosemite Falls. And then the falls attacked him in his sleeping bag. (laughs) Uh, He decided to go behind the falls to see the moon from behind a curtain of water. Don't fucking do that. (laughs) But the wind shifted and the falls fell on him. Which is 1,400 feet of like, falls. fucking shocking. The falls <laughs> fell on him. <laughs> yep. That's how gravity is. So that pounded him on the head and shoulders. But instead of falling off the cliff, he, he, uh, he hung on and just got away wet and bruised. Okay. So that's nice. God damn, getting bruised by a bunch of water. Isn't wet, that's got to suck. Isn't wet and bruised a dead Kennedy song? <laughs> it's a, or it's a, a mentor song? <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> His first big mountaineering feat was Mount Ritter, which is named after John Ritter. Of course course course. it is. John, (laughs) uh, somebody just said to me, uh, prior to doing this interview, talking about the fact that Tex Ritter was your dad. Tex Ritter is kind of a legendary figure. And they said, if if one didn't know it, one wouldn't know it. You're you're a zany guy from Hollywood. Right, North Hollywood. I'm sorry. Which makes it even more intense. Other side of the hill. Right. (laughs) Uh, Tex Ritter is heartland America. He's the South. He's country and Western. He's he's roots. Right, absolutely. And your dad said to you, wise man that he was, don't be an actor. <laughs> yes. Don't be an actor. He just didn't want me to starve. He he uh, lived on Chile for two years in New York. That's 13,000 feet up in the eastern Sierras, a peak with no other recorded climbs. Uh, halfway up with a sheer cliff, he panicked and had to hold on by his fingers. Uh, it was his most fearful time in the mountains. Uh, Mexty climbed see, see, Mount Whitney. You know how you avoid that situation? Don't Not, fucking climb the fucking mountain. <laughs> That's been my philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, works, lo- it works looks better. It good. looks better from a distance, anyway. Yeah. So it looks. It just looks like a bunch of rocks if you get too close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he climbs Mount Whitney, the tallest in the lower forty-eight. But this one wasn't really a climb; it was more of a trail. His third climb was Mount Shasta. He was warned about snowstorms in November. Not the most ideal time to climb that one. But he goes anyway. 
Uh, he had to wait out a snowstorm, but a rescue party was sent up after him. And then uh, he ate the rescue party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did the climb three more times in his lifetime. It was his favorite of all California peaks. Plus, there's UFOs there, too, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> I could find, I bet I could find YouTube videos telling me there's UFOs. Literally you, anywhere. I bet you I could find Mike Korea telling me. Oh, about yeah. Oh, yeah. UFOs. Time he did LSD well, and saw I, some UFOs. Well, it's just, no, he's very familiar hey, with the Shasta area. Yeah, he's he grew up there. From there, yeah. August 1871, the Smithsonian asked Muir if he was willing to send reports of his ramblings. And of course he would. Rambling reports about my ramblings. <laughs> and uh, then I saw a butterfly, and then I saw a rock. And then I walked, and then I pooped, and then I walked some more. <laughs> He gets much more interested in geology and Agassiz's idea of the ice sheet covering most of... It's pronounced Agassiz. Is it? Yeah, it's spelled like Andre Agassiz, so... Oh! It's with the lake's named after, too. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Named after a tennis player from the 90s? With a mullet? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you don't know these things? (laughs) I don't know sports, man. We know this. September 1871, Muir penned an article for Horace Greeley's New York Daily Tribune on Yosemite's glaciers. Josiah Whitney, that Whitney Peak is named after, was a leading California scientist at the time and sneered at the uneducated mirror theorizing that Yosemite was formed by glaciers. Because it was formed by earthquakes, you dumb asshole. <laughs> I'm, literally, that was the theory. Like mm-hmm. there was The theory was there was a big cataclysmic earthquake and boom, valleys and shit. <laughs> That's how that works. Tight. So, I like that he's sneering at him. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you fucking moron. Everyone knows. You know, the ivermectin will cure your COVID-19, <laughs> even though it's an anti-fucking worm thing and not an antiviral. Yeah. Yeah. Whitney called him a, quote, common sheep herder or a scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, motherfucker. Why are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy looking nerf herder? You can't use that word. Only we can use that word. So by the beginning of the 20th century, though, scientific opinion shifted towards Muir's idea. Ooh. It's almost like they also went and observed actual glaciers. Mm-hmm. Part, part of the reason why. Muir also wrote articles for the Overland Monthly and planned on writing a book proving the glacier theory in Yosemite. Muir sent those articles home. Uh, his mother said that they were above her comprehension. I don't understand your science, sweetie. His father, Daniel, called his uh, called it worthless and godless Blast and unnecessary. Oh, I was going to say, yep. he's not a Christian. Yep. It's dark-sided. Every dark-sided person get out of my house. If you believe in Jesus, you can stay here. Don't stay in my house if you're dark-sided. Then he asked if he would come back to the church. <laughs> oh, I love that. So they can teach you how the mountains were really made. Yeah, right. They were made in the 7th? Sure, we'll go with that. But Muir chose science. Yeah! Uh, It didn't imply atheism, though, because he still believed in God, or some godlike force flowing through everything, which would be the The force. force. (laughs) How many midichlorians did he have? (laughs) You can take ivermectin to get rid of those midichlorians. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through Asa Gray, uh, the evolutionist defender in the United States... Uh, he was collecting flowers for him. Uh, Muir became an advocate for evolution, too. All these preposterous ideas. Yeah, newfangled bullshit, fucking witchcraft. 
Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson also came for a visit to Yosemite, too. Mm-hmm. Which Muir was a big fan of his writing. Mm-hmm. But he was an old man now and didn't venture far from the trails or hotels, which kind of disappointed Muir. But he began to read more of his work, and after wrote him letters, he also started to read a lot more Thoreau. Well, didn't Emerson like offer him a job at that point, and he turned it down so he could stay in the mountains or some shit, too, I think? Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get here, in-depth reporting. Like, a lot of good background. <laughs> sure. Didn't he offer him a job? Yeah, fine. <laughs> Change the name of the show to... Yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked will be right back. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at the Fort Laramie Parade Grounds. It's the Insane on the Plains Monster Wagon Rally. Brought to you by Manifest Destiny and Mountain Dew. We have 40 big Calistoga wagons crushing other Calistoga wagons for no reason. All your favorites will be there. Grave Digger, Wife Beater, Bigfoot, and the Chubacabra. And Evil Weevil will attempt to jump the 20-foot deep Platte River Gorge on his rocket horse. Free face painting and scalping for the kids. Pit passes, only two cents. Well, it's more of a shallow grave. Sunday, 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 Sunday at the Fort Laramie Parade Grounds. The Insane on the Plains Monster Wagon Rally. Admission is only a nickel. They only need the edge of your seat. Actually, we don't have seats, so bring your road. After five and a half years of living in Yosemite, Muir moves to the city. Goddamn cello. And took a bath. And first Oakland, then and to San Francisco. But he still spent his summers in the mountains. Now picturing John Muir like wearing a Raiders jersey, like hiking to the mountains. I'm, I'm picturing him like like hopping trains and living in the woods, and then he moves to the, like Oakland, and he's got like a like a you know a leather jacket with like punk rock. Patches and shit all over it, and like a nose ring, and I guess yeah. he's like a like a gutter punk yeah, yeah. playing banjo under a bridge. <laughs> so he goes to the city to pursue the writing career, and he finishes the book on the Ice Age. It took him three years. Shit, the- I made up about the Ice Age, <laughs> but his manuscript was not accepted because I made that shit up. Mm-hmm. But at least magazine articles were easier to complete. Muir wasn't a naturally gifted writer, and he was painfully slow at it. But he got to enjoy it. This rock, nice. Look at rock. (laughs) Uh, He wrote almost 80 articles in all. So that's not too shabby. Yeah. He went to the lava beds and reported the area where Captain Jack pitched his battles. Yeah. Like Modoc War. Oh, yeah, yeah. Episode something early. First Mm -hmm. season. Yeah. In 1877, he was in Utah around the time of the trial of John D. Lee. Uh, so the troops were ready, and things were tense with the uh, Latter-day Saints there. Uh, but Muir was not going to be a battlefield reporter. He reported on natural things like rock climbs. They were hanging this guy, and then I saw a butterfly. <laughs> some soldiers were shooting at some Native Americans, and then I saw a deer. <laughs> 
In Utah, you saw the Mormons' large families as unsustainable. Hey, holy fuck. Yeah, <laughs> might be onto something, finally. And he added his voice to the conservation movement. Yeah. Uh, his first published comments on the need for conservation was 1874, visiting a fish hatchery in Northern California and seeing the hydraulic mining destroy the rivers mm-hmm. and logging destroy the forest. Yep. He appealed to the government to save the sequoia. The big tree. Yep. And the uh, government's like, fuck you, lumber, bitch. But he would have to wait 15 years before the government protected any public lands from timber cutting or burning. Oh, yeah. Well, and didn't we just lose a bunch of them now to, like, fucking fires? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yep. We should just cut them all down and sell the wood. Like the like, big... Like, like, go, the, like God intended. Like God. Yep. <laughs> okay, exactly. Uh, Louis Strunzel and Muir got engaged after five years of visits. Wait, what? I guess that's a lady, Louis. Oh, Louise. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Louis. Oh, yeah, Stretzel. It could be Louis. Louis Stretzel. Mm-hmm. This sounds like it, a baseball player. It, it sounds like somebody from like Strawberry Shortcake Land. That's <laughs> the pretzel-based <laughs> yeah, one. Right. In 1879, Muir goes to Alaska after hearing a talk by Reverend Sheldon Jackson. No, I thought who, you were saved by after hearing a song by fucking Johnny Porton. But, <laughs> no. Reverend Sheldon Jackson established the first Presbyterian mission at Fort Wrangell, and he wanted to follow Jackson up there and see the grandeur for himself. After that, the wedding was planned for April 14, 1880, one week shy of his 42nd birthday. His bride was nine years younger. Uh, Thank course, God. I thought you were going to say it was nine years old, and I was about to fucking throw this microphone. <laughs> yeah, table flip, fucking walk out. <laughs> God. Of course, instead of getting married, he has to go back up to Alaska. Or after he gets married, that's that's his honeymoon is going off by himself. By himself, yeah. <laughs> but he promised to be back for the birth of their first child. So oh. that's something. Wait, so they get married, he shoots a load, and then takes off to Alaska. I'll be back within nine months, I promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds about time appropriate. So. <laughs> uh, while walking back on a glacier in Alaska there, uh, with a dog named Stick Keen... Stakeen. Stakeen. He came upon that, a cur- That's the second time I saw that word today. He says he stuck. He says he stayed with a native tribe that was the Stakeen, which I've never fucking heard of. Oh. And he's like, uh, or that was his name. Like, basically, he's like, oh, yeah, it means like white, uh, like honorary white chief, which sounds like some made up bullshit if I've ever fucking. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, like a. Teenager trying to be super cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like. Then I stayed with this Native American family and they made me their white king. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I learned judo. Yeah. And then an eagle landed on my arm and and, I, and the sun went down. And then I beat and a man then, to death with and, nunchucks. And there was a rainbow in the dark. And then Dio came and played me the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. Anyway, they come across a crevasse, 40 foot wide. Came all the way across it? Well, he will. There's a lot of pressure like, <laughs> building up. Uh, yeah, he's been gone for nine months. Mm-hmm. Instead of going back in the dwindling light, he cut down steps eight feet down to an ice bridge. Muir made it, but he left the dog on the other side. Oh, no. And the dog whined, and Muir tried to coax him across. Finally, the dog made it, but it was shaken in fear. 
showing animals and humans had the same emotions. So he liked to uh, tell that story. He included it in his book. Like when somebody was like punching their horse repeatedly in the face, he'd be like, hey, maybe don't do that. Yeah. They, can, oh, <laughs> they don't like that. It feels pain. I'm not going to stop doing it, but wow, what a revelation. Oh, now I know I can just kick it in the dick. Uh, Mir, though, seemed like he might have some survival skills, but not really. He well, he's got them fucking dumpster diving fucking skills, mm-hmm. and he can make wood objects into smaller wood objects. <laughs> yep. He knew less about camping than most people. He usually came unprepared. Basically, you just I walk like off with a loaf it, of bread. It's you, yeah, a loaf of bread, overcoat, and a book. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been camping enough times at this point. He should fucking know what he's doing. There's a difference between homelessness and camping, okay? And what he mostly does is homelessness in nature. Okay. <laughs> so he seemed foolishly indifferent to cold, discomfort, or lack of sleep, well, or I mean, threats to life. That's kind of some Terminator shit, but yeah, at the same mm-hmm. time. Not good for you. Well, you don't know. Like the bracing air, fucking good for your constitution. Gets your... Your humors and balance. Your humors and your phlegm and you know your your hot dry phlegm and God your. I was just listening to that episode today. The the hot <laughs> dry phlegm and the cold wet blood or whatever the fuck. Yeah, like yeah, blood is air. I know that. Yeah. Uh, next spring, uh, uh, Annie Wanda was born. There were too many Annies, so she was known known as Wanda. He spoiled her and never lifted a hand to her like he was raised. Uh, May fourth, eighteen eighty one, Muir left again for Alaska. This time on a government expedition bound for the Aleutians, Bering Strait, and the Arctic. Yay. He was gone nearly six months. Uh, That's a pretty short expedition for those time frames. Usually they're out for like three years and you eat half your fucking party. Mm-hmm. This was with the Marine Service, a forerunner of the Coast Guard. All right. They were out looking for wreckage of two whaling vessels and a scientific ship. Got to find that ambergris. Mm-hmm. By late October, he was back. It'd be another 10 years before he could return to Alaska. Yeah, it even has a glacier named after him. Okay. Yep. John Muir does? Mm-hmm. Oh, too bad. Somewhere up there. <laughs> he won't for long. <laughs> It'll just be water. Yep. Named after him. Uh, Muir married into a prosperous family who owned an orchard, vineyard in Alhambra, California. I'm pretty sure I said that right. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. Yep. But in 1881, he began to take over day-to-day operations of the orchard from his father-in-law, who was growing old. So this would consume... Now they're growing in the orchard? Well, yeah, that's how you get aged cider. (laughs) (laughs) This would consume much of his time for the next seven years. They didn't focus on one crop. He didn't want to kill all the birds that dined on his orchards. But he couldn't... Unlike everybody else in the 1800s. I want to kill all the birds because they're birds. But he did have to poison the ground squirrels. Even though he didn't want to, he had to poison ground squirrels. Did he at least eat them or like make a coat out of Mm -hmm. them? And of course, who are you going to get to pick the fruits back in the day? Children. Children and probably Mexican children. Uh, No, immigrants. Oh, well, Mexicans can be immigrants. But in those days, they were Chinese, though. Oh, but in 1882, Congress imposed anti-immigration bill for Shocking. China. Oh, yeah. Which is a whole another oh, ass episode we have to do. Oh, that's the Chinese Exclusion Act, right? Yeah, getting there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But by then, there was already 75,000 Chinese in California, and that was about 10% of the population of the time. Hey, guys, just so you know, you're illegal now. 
Get the fuck out. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm going to have a bad time with that one. Uh, eventually, after his father-in-law's death, they put the part of the orchard up for sale and hired a manager to oversee it. So at least now he can get out and do his wanderings again. Yeah. Spring 1887, while still working on the orchard, he agreed to take on editing a book of essays, a forerunner to a modern travel magazine. Besides editing, he wrote six of the essays. In 1888, took trips to Tahoe, Shasta, and the Columbia River, Mount Rainier, and Puget Sound. Ooh. Uh, he climbs Rainier that year, too. Fucking Holy about shit. That. Wow, for an unex- inexperienced dude? Well, I mean, he has plenty of experience. Or, He's sorry, just, just an idiot. In, unprepared like, or, you know. Yeah, just, hey, big man, I'm going to walk up you now. <laughs> I have my jacket. Some Zeb, Zeb Pike energy. Yeah. Uh, next summer, 1889, he met Robert Underwood Johnson, who would encourage him to be leader of the conservation movement. Johnson and Muir took a trip to Yosemite. Johnson said Muir should lead a movement to get it made a national park, but Muir didn't think he himself up for the task. He finished his articles and returned to Glacier Bay, Alaska. First time in 10 years, and he saw his glacier retreat five miles in that time. Uh, Muir and a guy named Loomis, who he climbed Mount Rainier with, disembarked onto the glacier. They would stay there for the summer. They both- wow, fuck everything about that. <laughs> Are you having a nice time? We've been sitting on a sheet of ice for three months. (laughs) (laughs) They built a little windowless hut with a stone chimney. Uh, Muir had his run-ins on the glacier, falling into a crevasse and getting snow blindness. Fuck. So when Muir gets back, things were happening on the conservation front. So basically he goes away to, and then things are happening. And is this where Gifford Pinchot kind of comes in? Uh, Probably. This might be a little too, a little early-ish. A little bit early. This is when Gifford Pinchot is still wrestling Teddy Roosevelt in his underwear, probably. Probably, yeah. Because <laughs> we're still 1890. It's still oh, okay. a few years, I think. Uh, the Yosemite bill came up for a vote. The bill passed both houses, and President Benjamin Harrison signed it into law. Yosemite became the second and third national park, and the third became Sequoia. Became second and third? Because the, the area they had as a state park that was broken into two and a half uh, Sequoia, one south. Uh, Johnson did much of the work lobbying Congress, but Muir's writing certainly did help. Just as Muir was going to go to Kings Canyon to get that included in the new parks, his father-in-law died, leaving them $235,000. Holy shit. And plenty of land. Yeehaw. So now Muir was head of the estate. But he was also becoming the leading voice in the conservation movement. So he hired his brother-in-law to be the orchard manager, freeing him up to do other things, like be a hippie. Yeah. But in Kings Canyon, there were bear hunters. Oh, no. Plenty of mills cutting down every species of tree, including the redwoods, uh, which they had to use dynamite at times to break up the wood into manageable pieces. What the fuck? Holy shit. God, what a fucking waste. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, and to do what? Like, I'm going to make spoons. Yeah, totally. You know, like. Toothpicks. <laughs> God damn. Uh, but at this time, Congress didn't grant Kings Canyon National Park. Uh, they had said they had set aside enough land. Uh, over the next two years, Harrison set oh, aside it's, reserves it's for 13 million like we've acres. we've heard that shit before. 
You're conserving too much shit. We've set aside enough land already. Oh, man. What's old is new again. Yeah. So people now wanted a non-governmental organization to look over and play watchdog over public land and uses. And Greenpeace was born. And, of course, he wanted John Muir to lead it. Uh, it originated from a few professors at the University of California. In spring 1891, English professor William Arms wrote Muir about forming a, quote, Sierra Club. Yay! Whoa! Modeled after an alpine club of Portland. They had their first meeting May 28, 1892. Muir was unanimous choice as president, and he'd hold the position for the rest of his life. Bet you, bet you didn't know that one. Did not. Mm-hmm. And then Ralph Nader was born. Yep. August 1894, he compiled his first book from old magazine articles. That's called plagiarism. That he wrote, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like one from Popular Ooh, Science, like one, one from Vanity Fair, one from like Good Playboy. Housekeeping. <laughs> Playboy, one from Hustler. <laughs> yeah. Fucking penthouse letters and shit. I uh, called it the Mountains of California. It's probably about the Mountains of California. <laughs> One would hope. I don't know. It's a little too on the news. Uh, he piled on scientific facts and avoided politics. Glaciers are real, man. <laughs> uh, but when it came to nature, Muir is still idealistic. Uh, in May 1903, Muir goes to Yosemite with Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Did you say Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Bank. That is a fucking stripper name. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. Roof rider. <laughs> Bully. <laughs> Come gather around y'all, it's time to learn a lesson. And it's big book of facts from 1911. The Law of the Road. General Principles. To prevent collisions and to secure the safety and convenience of travelers meeting and passing each other upon the highway, a code of rules has been adopted which constitutes what is called the Law of the Road. These rules, originally established by custom, have, in many instances, been reenacted and declared by statute, and are of general and uniform observance in all parts of the United States. In general, they apply to private ways as well as public roads, and indeed extend to all places appropriated either by law or in fact for the purposes of travel. The fundamental rule, applicable alike to all who use a traveled way, is that every person must exercise reasonable care adapted to the place and circumstances to prevent collision and avoid accidents, and to this all other rules are subsidiary. No one will be entitled to redress for an injury sustained on the highway where his own negligence contributed to such injury, nor will the fact that a fellow traveler fails to observe the law and uses of the road absolve another who is in the right from the duty of exercising ordinary care to avoid injury to himself or to prevent injury to the party who is in the wrong. At the same time, a person lawfully using a public highway has the right to assume that a fellow traveler will observe the law and exercise ordinary care and prudence, and to govern his own conduct in determining his use of the road accordingly. This assumption may rely on, not to justify carelessness on his own part, but to warrant him in pursuing business in a convenient manner. What the fuck? So, Muir goes to Yosemite with Titty Roosevelt. That's right, Titty Roosevelt. <laughs> TR asked if Muir could guide him through the park. Uh, one ranger reported that both men wanted to do all the talking. Imagine that. <laughs> so are you going to do the voices now? Or? Well, 
I'm, I'm not feeling up to par on my Scottish accent. Just just picture groundkeeper Willie yelling at... Talking over Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Offerman and fucking... Or high-pitched Nick Offerman <laughs> and fucking groundskeeper Willie screaming at each other. <laughs> they, I used to do parkour. I did parkour <laughs> in what I call the mountain. <laughs> but it was an old castle. Uh, they talked about glaciers, redwoods, and conservation. What's the fucking? Uh, you, can, you can tell it's a redwood because of how it is. There's a uh, the 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 English phrase practice that I have to get everybody out oh, of the yeah. bar is like uh, whose fox is this? Yeah, it's just random the fucking gun phrases. Was hers. Yeah, but one of them is like, "What are you doing? I'm observing that glacier." <laughs> just made me think of that. Did you have a microscope ten years ago? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. He deserted the army, didn't he? What did you have in your pocket? When did you sharpen the blade? I sharpened it a fortnight ago. Why did you scream then? One night, I suddenly figured out the metaphysical notion. The company president transferred him to an overseas branch last Wednesday. He buried the dead body about this time yesterday. The monkey can imitate his master very well. You're supposed to have my band play if you want people out of the bar. That's why we always play last. Music doesn't work well anymore, but this shit does. It's awesome, especially when you get the college kids up at Coindexters. The revolution was quashed by the secret police. It contains low-protein fat. (laughs) Whose gold is this? (laughs) It's my gold. Did you have a microscope 10 years ago? Uh, TR also made fun of Muir's gaps in outdoor expertise. You don't know how to shoot and kill anything, do you, hippie? Uh, he made fun of him when he couldn't identify a bird call. I've killed 14 of those motherfuckers. That's a western sapsucker. But they're kind of kindred spirits. Uh, during TR's administration, he extended federal protection to 230 million acres land. woo An area larger than California and Texas combined. Get Does that some make sense? National parks. I guess if you include Alaska and yeah. all that good stuff. But uh, Muir looked past... Titty's uh, love of killing and manliness. Yep. As many of us have to do. Yeah. Uh, more travel for Muir. Going around the world. Uh, kind of found him exhausted, though. The winter of 19... 19- he went to, like, fucking spring break and fucking South Padre and... Mm-hmm. Winter of 1904-05, his family was wrecked by flu... Uh, Muir had to put everything aside and actually deal with the sickness. By what? Like get down with putting the sickness? snake oil on him or mm-hmm. put some snakes and leeches on you? Uh, Muir was also prone to the flu because of probably that malaria thing. No malaria. Your fat butt makes you look fat. No, and it's the fucking flu. Mm-hmm. Ivermectin, I'm telling you. Yep. Drink some bleach. <laughs> so he takes his family to Arizona. Uh, That's what you do for tuberculosis, not the fucking flu. <laughs> uh, basically, one of the daughters, Helen, would spend a lot of time in the Southwest to escape lung problems. Louie, Muir's wife, suffered from a tumor, then died on August 6th with Muir nearby. Uh, condolences poured in. Teddy Roosevelt told him to go to the mountains. Go to the fucking mountains. Well, that's what Teddy Roosevelt did when yeah. his wife and yeah, mom died true. on the same day. That's he went true. to the fucking Badlands. So. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he rode four horses. I need to kill some things. 
Mir goes to the petrified forest in Arizona. Ooh. I love on the way to, you know, they got the park there, but the other side is the not sanctioned one that they have all the, din- the dinosaur one with the dinosaurs the- made out of like water heaters and shit, and they're eating like department store mannequins. It's fucking amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've shown you the background on my phone before, right? No, I don't. That little guy? No, I'm not even talking like that. No. Nope. Oh. No, far worse. Far, far, far worse. Background on my phone is like a long-necked dinosaur with just the dumbest-looking fucking teeth. They're called, sauropod- <laughs> they're called sauropods, and sadly, their teeth did look a lot like that. I know. I remember. I think you told me about that one time, but still, it's like one of the dumbest-looking animals I've ever seen. That's why it's all the background on my phone. And yes, I will post it on Instagram. Oh, good job. Anyway, keep it going. Anyway, uh, Congress passed the Antiquities Act in 1906, which allowed the president to set aside national monuments, smaller parks, or historic landmarks. Uh, TR seized on this and set aside Mesa Verde, Devil's Tower, Grand Canyon, Petrified Forest. Uh, Muir had little to do with the act, though, but he gave the federal government a sketch on what to include in the Petrified Forest, since he knew that. (laughs) Forest ain't the only thing petrified around here. Oh, my God. That's by the petrified forest? Some of them are. What the fuck? I mean, it looks like children's drawings that were turned into statues. Like giant sculptures, yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. What's this place called? I don't know. Oh, just petrified forest dinosaurs? Okay, I'll look it up I just, yeah. Because, like, across the road is the real petrified forest national monument or whatever. I remember seeing that, like Carter and I saw that one, and I'm like, what the fuck? Is that just like a Route 66? Uh, yeah, it's, absolute, side, it's side, absolutely okay. a Route 66, yep. Route 666. Ooh, there's a nice one, though. Well, that, that's a proper T-Rex there. Except, didn't T-Rexes have feathers and shit? No, we're, not, we're on the fence about that one. <laughs> uh, Velociraptors, yes. Okay. Anyway, back home, his daughters move out, so Muir was left all alone in Alhambra with his Chinese housemen... Ah Fong. Okay. You just need to know his Chinese houseman's name. Yeah, and the fact that he's left alone with basically a butler that probably isn't getting paid commensurate wages with. Probably not. Well, um, isn't he still illegal for him to exist at probably. that point? Or did they lift the Chinese Exclusion Act? I don't know. We'll have to do one on the Chinese Exclusion Act. I'm just saying, there's fuck. I, I, I smell a degree of fuckery. Yeah, of course. Uh, 1905, with Muir's help, the Valley of the Yosemite was included in the National Park, which kind of was an oversight. Uh, With help from the Sierra Club, uh, despite William Randolph Hearst's objections, vilifying Muir in the papers. This stupid hippie wants to save the trees and shit. I simply want to make them all into paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But the battle for Yosemite began to heat up again in 1907 when a dam was to be put up in the Hetch Hetchy Valley. And guess what happened? They put up a dam there. In the Hetch Hetchy Valley. <laughs> Rat bastards. I think this is about the time where him, him and Pinchot kind of It, it absolutely is, because like, it's beginning of Forest Service time, and like, um, yeah, he, at first him and Gifford Pinchot kind of got along, and then once uh, Muir realized that Pinchot basically was into conservation because of, uh, actually he referred to it as preservation, but, you know, the only reason, like, Pinchot wanted to preserve anything is so you can exploit the resource later. It's, uh, like, su- it's like sustainable forestry, not because you want to look at a tree. It's because 
keep the lumber coming. Yeah, totally. Kind of, kind, like, of, kind of ordeal. Right. He he looked at it and was like, oh, we can cut it down and regrow it. Where cut it down again. Which is ludicrous, at least on a human time scale, when you're talking about some of these like giant fucking conifers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like. Absolutely. Which is why we have all these sad-ass fucking clear-cuts mm-hmm. full of fucking shitty pecker poles that yep. are, yeah. But, you know, I guess he could have he sold it to John Muir this way. Like, look, man, you can grow the broom handle the, the right size, right. then you don't have to <laughs> whittle it down right. from a giant tree. But either way, they, they became, they were kind of friendly and then became frenemies and then full-on enemies pretty quick. Gotcha. Uh, James Phelan became mayor of San Francisco in 1897. He had a thirst of expansion to rival Chicago, Paris, or Rome, or even Detroit. I love that, that kind of ambition. You know what would make this place better? If it's bigger and more crowded and full of pollution and shit. <laughs> you know, like... We want our rivers on fire. Yeah. God damn it. I can't wait not to be able to park or afford a fucking apartment. <laughs> uh, he heard of an easily dammable uh, dam 150 miles away from San Francisco. Damn that dam. And a mile above sea level. Which meant that you could... Gravity. Yep. You could totally gravity. Uh, didn't matter that I was inside. Oh, this t- this time I, instead of Yosemite, I wrote Yodosemite. <laughs> Yodosemite. Yodosemite. <laughs> that is a uh, typo. Uh, this Negative. Was, uh, this would set off a decade-long fight that would involve three presidents, various secretaries of the interior, Congress and the press, the Sierra Club, and John Muir. Uh, 1900, San Francisco was consuming 25 million gallons of water a day. Uh, max cap at the time was 35 million. So if it were to go grow and like double in the next 50 years as predicted, they would be kind of fuckered out of water there. Well, probably what should have happened. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're fuckered out of water and they use about 18 times as much of that. And that's a really rough and fucked up estimate. Yeah. Uh, during that time, a grove of redwoods were given to the government for the Antiquities Act and made a national monument. It was named Muir Woods. Yay. Is that the one with the, the tree you can drive through? Uh, no, I think those are the unofficial, uh, not national <laughs> forests. <laughs> kind of like the unofficial petrified forest I just showed you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But California legislator later passed a law giving states water rights. It was unknown to Muir and the Sierra Club, but eventually they found out. Uh, and how could TR and his administration betray Muir like that, Muir thought. Uh, in 1908, Muir had just hit 70 years old. Whoa. So he's still fighting all these battles. Damn. Uh, Muir wrote an article and took a trip to the Hetch Hetchy in 1908, extolling its virtues. and inspired a nationwide grassroots efforts to save it. Uh, but a few in the Sierra Club backed the dam, including the city engineer, Marsden Manson. That's not a Sierra Club name at all. <laughs> and it caused dissent in the Sierra Club. Uh, so Muir and other dam opponents formed the Society of Preservation of National Parks. So that's a thing. Cool. With a new administration, Taft supported Muir and had him guide him around Yosemite. Uh, Taft, despite being huge, was an energetic hiker. Really? Outside of the bathtub, you can get him to move around. <laughs> uh, Muir even goes to New York City to campaign to save Hetch Hetchy. Uh, he spoke for an hour and a half at a Boone and Crockett meeting. Then he went to Brazil uh, to finally make that trip. 
that was cut short by malaria back in the day. He went there to see a special kind of tree. <laughs> what kind of special tree? I don't know. It was the singing bush from the fucking yeah. <laughs> from the three amigos. <laughs> then he makes it to Chile and Argentina. Then he went to South Africa to Victoria Falls. It's actually pronounced Sea of the Africa. And he we went to this. see a special tree there. <laughs> Cats in the cradle in the silver moon. Uh, sure. Dish ran away with a spoon. Man on the silver mountain. Catch the cradle, silver spoon, little boy blue, and the man in the moon. Oh, that's what it is. Whatever. You're fucking idiot. Stupid song. <laughs> you're, you're a stupid I was doing song. a character. That's the singing bush. You're bush. In South Africa. Bush, I mean, South Africa. Like, bush is everything's in. Glycerine. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, official grunge band of... Of this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bush. <laughs> Gavin Rosdale is a better actor than he was a musician. Oh, what the hell was he acting in? Uh, he was in... Uh, other that, other th- than his marriage to Gwen Stefani. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he was in um, uh, Constantine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which is... I mean, I've never read the comics, but the movie was fucking pretty well, awesome. All the comics are called Hellblazer. Yeah. Sure. And he's blonde, right? Yeah, he smokes constantly. Oh, well, yeah, he does in the movie, too. I um, like when I was he working on, like, licensed uh, DC shit for my old job, and there's, like, pretty much all the characters. For some reason, Lobo wasn't in there, but they had fucking... It was meant for little kids. It was putting it on a lunchbox. And there's John Constantine, super tiny, but it's definitely Hellblazer. Smoking a cigarette? Smoking a fucking cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> for a kid's lunchbox? Yep. It's like, Excellent. <laughs> Uh, the fight over Hetch Hetchy was still going on. Uh, Pinchot was on the side of use and wanted the dam. My ghost wife told me so. Mm-hmm. Then Woody Wilson gets elected. Not nah, fucker. And that was mostly from the Republicans splitting the vote between Taft and TR. And the Democrats handed the Hetch Hetchy over, over to San Francisco for the water. Though it took another 10 years for the dam to be built, Muir was devastated. And in 1914, the flu would return, and he wouldn't leave the house much. He tried to... Because you you want the flu? Because that's how you get the flu. Mm Mm-hmm. He tried to write on Alaska. Uh, In November, his lung ailments became more severe, though. He tried to go to Los Angeles for a Sierra Club meeting, but it became worse. He was taken to the hospital and died the day before Christmas. Ah, ruining Christmas. Mm -hmm. Man... If you if you feel like you're gonna go out, well, I guess had the had the uh, the dam been built yet? Uh, no. Uh, okay, I was gonna say like like he he could have just like suicided suicide bomb the fucking you know. Don't give people ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had written five books for nature lovers with a hard on for mountains. That's what it was called. Yep. And on the sixth, uh, on Alaska came out after he died. And another three from journals and unpublished magazine articles that came out after he died, too. His estate was worth uh, $241,137, or more than $4 million today. Oh, they really rounded all the way down to the seven. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put the cents in there. Right. Nope. But no one knew that he was rich, though money never really mattered to him. But Well, if you're rich, money rich doesn't hippie. really matter. Guy was a rich hippie. Aren't they all? Yep. What are all these homeless people complaining about? Why don't they just get houses? (laughs) 
And the John Muir Trail was made from Mount Whitney. Whit, Whit, Whitney. Whitney. That whole thing is the name of the mountain? Whitney. Whitney. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Mount, Mount Whit- Whitney to Yosemite oh, Valley in 1938. That was Mount Whippany. Yep. Whitney. Whitney. <clears throat> Will Wheaton. Want some cool whip? <laughs> anyway, that's John Muir, goddammit. Well, Holy shit. it kind of is. Uh, postscript. I know he's kind of a vaunted figure, and I, you know, in some ways, I look to look up to John Muir as, as a naturalist and things like that. The problem with him is he is also a man of his time. So, oh yeah, um, his opinions on Native Americans were a little iffy at best. Um, a because like Will did talk about the uh, horse getting stolen by the Winnebagos, and then uh, what when he's in California is like hanging out with the Paiutes. Like, yeah, they're just kind of lazy and superstitious. Was the way he described them. <laughs> But at the same time, uh, he had, I can't remember what tribe he is around where he's like, oh yeah, it's the fake, the Stikine, which I don't know what the fuck, like, yeah, Muir was given the name Stikine, Muir spelling, coastal tribe, I don't know, name, <laughs> basically accountant without the T, and some extra vowels, meaning adopted chief, which I call all the bullshit on every bit of that, but yeah, whatever. But yeah, um, not not too into the Native Americans, and definitely very much not into to black folks. Like literally, um, yeah, I'm basically not going to read like some of the stuff. It's just it's, okay. It's pretty mm. fucking bad. Ah, so just so you know, yeah, nature hippie has a dark side too. Sure, I I do like that this dude uh, traveled more than most people. He traveled more in the 1800s than most people do today. Yeah. Where you can actually fly and drive everywhere now. Yeah. This fucking dude like walked and whatever, like rode horses and climbed mountains and didn't do a lot of horseback riding, a lot of walking. Yeah. Fucking crazy. And also like often no sleeping bag, just like wear a big coat. Like Will saying, he was like, even though he spent a lot of time in nature, not a camper per se, just a homeless guy that reads. Yeah. Fuck. Well, I mean, not that homeless people don't read, but like, like. Just carries a book and, and, a, loaf and bread. Like a loaf of bread <laughs> and get her done, you know, fucking hypothermia. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But still, yeah, uh, very important contributions to the national parks, things of that nature. But also, yeah, weird fucking guy. Yeah. Really weird fucking guy. <laughs> At least he didn't have a ghost wife. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> ah, that, Tony, that would be a good ass movie. Like, uh, Oh, the Super Friends? Well, just basically like the fucking, like, actually the Big Burn would have been, you know, because you get to have a John Muir in there and a Gifford Pinchot and a Teddy Roosevelt and yeah. a Pulaski and like... And a Ghost Wife and that, Minions. And, and a Ghost Wife and, and plus fire. Like fire. A, lot of, a lot of fucking fire. Oh, yeah. Guys like getting pinned under creeks with trees on them and going blind and having their fingers catch on fire and... And oh, stomping the like the drunk guy to oh death. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> Still, fucking Man. yeah. Paramount needs to option that. Some <laughs> was going to make a low hanging Alec Baldwin joke, but I'm not going to. Oh god, yeah, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah. Uh, anyways, if we don't have anything else, let's go out in a hail of gunfire. Though mirrored. Murder. Like, because he's a, didn't like guns. He's a hippie pussy. <laughs>